0: This episode of The Loyal Sun Show is brought to you by Rendine Consulting. If you've listened to us for any amount of time, you know all about Rendine Consulting's commitment to the Pitt Athletics program and brand, and how much they've meant to the Loyal Sons. That's Rendine Consulting, providing investment managers' assistance with technology integration. Visit www.rendineconsulting.com for more information. That's WWW com. Hello, and welcome yeah. back to the loyal Sun show that's at the loyal Suns on twitter follow us there and follow us here for pit sports content you won't want to miss if you love having the best running back in the acc and hate not getting one more chance to crush jeff collins this is the place for you the loyal Sun show a safe sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix brought to you by pittsburgh sports now Today is Wednesday, September 28th, and... Meh.
1: That about sums up Saturday, yep. Noon games against FCS teams can have that effect, so... It was a fun morning. It was nice to get into the gold lot before the ass crack at dawn, but... The game... Game left a little bit to be desired. Yeah, I I think... As long as your
0: last name isn't Abanacanda, uh, you're probably going to forget that one. Super unmemorable. A little bit disappointing if you were looking for certain things that game. Um, But you know what? We don't need to spend a ton of time on this. I don't think anyone's listening to this for us to really get into the weeds on the Rhode Island Rams. Uh, So why don't we do this? In order to recap the game, let's break it down into this simple... Binary discussion. Was this game a startling indication of Pitt's mediocrity or an elaborate game of possum? Squid, why don't you start off?
2: I mean, I'm going to lead more to the possum side, but I don't think it was very elaborate. I think it was just the game plan was to run the ball and get the ball to sands as quick as possible and do not let him get touched. I think they tried like one downfield pass and you got hit. And that eliminated any thought of being aggressive again.
1: Yeah, I feel the same way. I think for the most part, Pitt just wanted to get in and get out with a win. Don't let any more guys get banged up than needed. Um, Izzy, 19 carries, maybe a little surprising, but almost feel like Narduzzi is pushing the Izzy for Doak Walker award train right now. But. We'll see. We'll see how that continues. But I felt like with all the screen passes, maybe that's something a wrinkle that they want to add to the offense. Something that they see is something that they can exploit, or maybe just give some of those receivers, i.e., Bub Means, an opportunity to make some plays and get their hands on the ball, get in some type of rhythm. But unfortunately, it didn't really turn into too much during the game. You know, six for thirty-eight for Bub Means still leaves a little bit to be desired. Yeah, nobody in the stands was happy with the performance or the play calling
2: i think we all kind of understood whatever we're going to win this game no matter what we do we would love to see another 77 point outing but that didn't happen so in result there are a lot of yinzers yelling about uh the play calling narduzzi signetti throw it downfield throw it downfield uh but we didn't get it and it's whatever
0: yeah, I, I feel super validated in the take I had in last week's show which was they're they're going to this is going to be a get right game for Bub Means. They're going to force feed him a little bit downfield to uh try to get his confidence up. Um I was wrong about that part. Everything that we threw was completely horizontal and it, it was a little bit disappointing because this felt like it was a great chance to essentially practice passing the ball, right? Cuz We know Slovis can, or at least those of us with decent eyeballs that don't just show up to pit games to bitch, can see that Slovis can throw it downfield a little bit. We saw it in the four quarters that mattered this year, but it it seems like Narduzzi had a different agenda, and that was simply to uh, control the game and get out of there without more injuries, and I... Mm -hmm we'll we'll see if we um you know if, if eighty six is on the field against Georgia Tech that goal will have been successful,
2: but aside from that, even the defense didn't play very well. you have a big play uh the run went for what seventy six yards uh you hate to see that gave up a lot of points they had a lot of third fourth string guys in too, so overall, I don't think anybody left that game with a good taste in their mouth aside from Izzy all 38,000
1: of people in the stadium. 38's a little bold. Is that what it was announced at? I didn't no, see it. it was definitely not that high. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Fitzsimmons had his first career sack, so he's probably leaving a little happy and the first of many. We, we've heard nothing but good things about him. So it was nice to see some some of those young guys who don't play a lot get their first taste of action. Still would have liked to not see them let up 24 points against an FCS team, but End of the day, I think the goal was accomplished, and let's just move on to next week.
2: I know we talked about that spread of thirty-five and a half. I think we all took Pitt to cover. It felt like around, free money. Yeah, I went around telling some people uh, Pitt beats up on SCS teams lately with no the talent we have. They'll blow them out. So felt like an ass there, but <laughs> whatever. That's I, and- I keep saying that, but that's how it feels. It was just on to the next one.
0: And it's important to be clear here. Uh, At no point did this game feel even kind of in jeopardy, like the thought of Rhode Island tying it up at any point or even beating us. It didn't even cross my mind the entire game, Uh, but it kind of looks like the defense felt the same way. It felt very lackadaisical. You know, it's not like they were, you know, the Rams were marching on pit. It was more like, They kind of let up one play in pass coverage or, you know, they had one long run. There were a lot of drives that were kept alive by uh, some pass interference penalties or some really stupid mistakes. Uh, It just kind of felt like they did not take Rhode Island seriously. So I'm, I'm not going to, you know, light the emergency flare yet on, you know, Pitt, but it was, this was clearly a game that they just, all they cared Cared about was the clock hitting zero and Pitt having more points than Rhode Island. There were there was no attempt at style points, no attempt at trying out something new or showing their hand uh, before ACC play. It was just get in, get out, get healthy.
1: I mean, Pitt allowed 286 yards of offense, 63 of those came on one play on the on the long touchdown run. So, and
0: then 90 of those came on a garbage time drive against our fourth stringers.
1: Right. So the defense wasn't terrible. They let up some chunk plays. You don't want to see that happen. I'm sure they'll clean it up this week, but the biggest loss taken on Saturday was us and our cooler. Mm, uh Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. That was... It was your cooler by proxy, so why don't don't you take our listeners through uh, what we found out after our tweet looking for clues after the game Saturday.
1: Yeah, we had the bright idea that we were going to leave the cooler out. For some reason, we didn't want to put it in one of the vehicles. We didn't want it to get taken home, but it definitely had to be taken home at some point. I don't know what the thought process was there. Just just bad planning. Bad I feel like a few people thought they were going to leave the game
2: after like one quarter when Pitt was up like 35 to nothing already and to start drinking in the parking lot again.
1: So yep. that was probably the thought process. We overlooked it. Just kind of like Pitt's defense overlooked the Rams offense. We overlooked it a little bit. Well, we came back after the game. Unfortunately, didn't actually leave the stadium until the game was over. That was disappointing. But get yeah. back to the parking lot and the cooler's gone. So we sent out that tweet last night. Within an hour, uh, one of our buddies was contacted. And we were informed that someone saw the cooler. It was being used by a homeless uh, man. Not
0: just anyone. Uh, Pitt's assistant head wrestling coach, who is a listener to the show and, and future guest. he He was our tip
1: here. Right, so he saw a homeless man with the cooler outside of TC selling the beer out of the cooler that we <laughs> left in there. So it it kind of softens the blow a little bit to know that that's the story that came out of this. Uh, admire like, the
2: hustle. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I was laughing my ass off when, when we were tipped off to that. But uh, yeah, 140 bucks down the drain, but got a new cooler and a story out of it, so... On to next week. We just got to be better. Can't sleepwalk in the tailgates like that.
0: Yeah, I love the story because our, our guy Drew, the the assistant wrestling coach, he said he was just walking by, saw saw the homeless guy, was like, oh, what an industrious homeless person. And then, like, moments later, looked down, saw our tweet, was like, you got to be <laughs> shitting me. <laughs> I mean, I hope he made a couple bucks off of it. I hope, you know, some, some party goers at Tequila Cowboy got some Cheap drinks, certainly cheaper than they were going to get in TC. But, you know, that was a pretty nice cooler. It's really nice.
2: That's the sport of football. It's going to be next cooler up. The Georgia Tech tailgate, uh, like this pit defense. we got to see what kind of depth they have. We'll see what kind of depth they have in the cooler department. We actually might not need it. It's going to be a chilly fall weather day, 8 p.m.
0: Yeah, I mean, and we're certainly going to learn from our mistakes much as we hope Frank Signetti does in in you know terms of conservative play calling, you know where you you put it in the trunk, you lock it, you communicate with each other. Hey, don't take this car home yet. We might want to have a couple of those beers after the game, so that you know there's no gray areas leaving it out. Just we need to be better, and you know it's a long season, so we have the opportunity to get better. And we just hope that the uh, playoff committee recognizes that. Yeah, we'll watch the tape, we'll clean it up, and we'll be better next week. The Pitt Panthers start ACC play against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets on Saturday night. Uh, We've already gotten the opportunity to learn a little bit more about our rivals across the Atlantic Coast Conference uh, and what we might expect as we fight to reclaim the ACC championship guys, why don't you tell me what we've seen thus far from the rest of the ACC, what we can expect going forward and uh, any of the surprises that we found along the way. I
2: think we should start with the biggest shock, if you will, from Saturday. And that's Miami getting boat raced by middle Tennessee state boat raced. There were people who had Miami in like their top 10 Van Dyke was crowned a Heisman finalist before the year started, and he got benched. And Miami <laughs> gave up so many yards to this team, this team that lost uh, uh, James Madison a few weeks prior.
1: That was well, they. Didn't, well, they didn't just lose to James Madison. James Madison beat them forty-four to seven. They got blown out by James Madison, <laughs> and they blew up Miami
2: in their home stadium. But there's no home field advantage there. Not to be an attendance state fan, but Tyler Van Dyke said himself he looks forward to those away
0: games does this make james madison the retroactive and de facto uh coastal conference preseason champion
1: spin it however you want i just know miami stinks
0: yeah so i i think we can we can kind of extrapolate this into a general theme um you know let me know if if you guys jive with this but it feels like Everyone in the ACC that was supposed to be very, very good this year has underwhelmed, and everyone that was just supposed to be an absolute dumpster fire is
1: actually kind of okay, except for Georgia Tech. If you narrow that down to the Coastal, I think if you look at the Atlantic, uh, Clemson, NC State, and Wake, all probably pretty good. They haven't played a ton of competition yet nc state has been underwhelming but you've got four teams on that side of the division including syracuse who are four and oh i'm sorry on that side of the conference in that division but if you look up and down the coastal division it's bad and to be honest Pitt is at the point after this week if Pitt does not win the coastal this season is a failure Absolutely. It has to be Charlotte or bust at this point. If you would have told me before the season that Pitt, you know, know, 10 and 2 has a chance going into that Miami game, and that's a winner take all for the Coastal, and they lose a tough game in Miami before the season, I would have been said, Yeah, you know what? That's you can still call that a successful season. If they don't win the Coastal, it's a failure. It's It's funny to
2: look at it. Uh, We were worried about Virginia. Brian Armstrong forgot how to play football. Tony Elliott ruined that team. Completely forgot how to throw a football. I don't know what the hell is going on over there. North Carolina, Drake May might be better than we thought, but that defense is abysmal. They gave up over 40 points to a very bad Notre Dame offense. Duke is 3-1. and but They lost to Kansas, so take that for whatever you'd like to think of it. VTech is VTech of the last few years. Nothing scares you. It should be Pitt. I think Pitt is, head and shoulders, the best team on paper in this conference.
0: Yeah, uh, I would go as far... Division, division. It gets confusing. It's all semantics. (laughs) Call it whatever you want. I would go as far to say, I don't... I think we might get to a point where we won't even need to beat Miami. Like, we'd love to beat Miami. We need to beat Miami. Uh, But we might not, like, need to beat Miami. I could see them getting tripped up by whatever... C minus teams in the ACC, they play this year and it not even mattering uh, by the time we show up to Coral Gables. But I would also like to, as much as I agree with you guys take on the coastal, I think that the Atlantic has also shown that it is not that good. I know Clemson has a five next to their name and NC State a 10. Uh, I Just based on the eyeball test alone, I don't think either of them Deserve that ranking. And I would go as far to say, as you know, Pitt's expectations should be to repeat because I don't think either of those football teams are better than Pitt.
2: Sure. But before we uh, continue to trash how bad the ACC is, let's just point out that we have six ranked teams and that's the second most of any conference behind the SEC, who has seven. So you might think Pitt is better than some of those teams, but as a whole, the conference is performing pretty well. Some of those areas are. Not quite what we expected, like Florida states ranked. nobody gave them a
0: thought again i I don't want to take away from the a c c because that is definitive proof that we are the second best conference in the mm-hmm. country, uh, and I don't need to hear anything else, but I also think Florida States is very much a byproduct of this massive brand name beat four cupcakes and that's counting LSU on the most down year we're probably going to see for LSU for the rest of forever. And so naturally they were just kind of gifted a top 25 spot. They are one spot ahead of Pitt. They are certainly not better than Pitt. Well, they play
2: Um, Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson in the
0: next three weeks. So we're going to find out how.
2: We're going to find out real quick (laughs) how good they are. So we're not totally sure who is actually good in that second tier, but I think what we can agree on is that. The ACC championship game will include Pitt, NC State, or Clemson most likely. I think those are the three teams that have a chance to separate themselves from the pack. I mean, Wake Forest could, but they already are behind the eight ball if that lost to Clemson. So
1: if it's not one of those three teams, I would be very, very surprised. So who are you guys most scared of in the Coastal? Because I'm I'm trying to look up and down, and I'm thinking maybe right now for me it's UNC, just because of our history with UNC. Yes. Drake May threw another five touchdowns this week. Uh, so are they any good? I don't know. The defense is obviously terrible, but they do have some offensive firepower. I do worry, does Pitt go down to Chapel Hill and they just can't hang in a shootout because we haven't thrown the ball that well or whatever may happen I think our defense can probably figure it out I I trust that and I do think we will be able to put up points but that that's just the one game I think whereas before it was always Miami Miami is the scariest game in the ACC uh, maybe my eyes are starting to move to that UNC game in Chapel Hill
0: I couldn't agree more, Dylan. Really, I do not want to overlook Miami. I feel like that is what we have done in the last five minutes. So we need to sprinkle in a little please win in order to get right with God or whatever for that Miami game. Uh, But no, UNC scares me a little bit more just because of the matchup. If they can score splash plays, Pitt gives up splash plays, and then it becomes a thing of like, are we going to have the correct game plan to keep up with the amount of points they score. Uh, I, I trust Frank Signetti. I know I've ha- we've had to make a lot of excuses for him thus far, but if they try to go in and take the air out of the ball against UNC, it could be a, a really troublesome matchup.
2: Yeah, I think we're going to learn a little bit more about UNC in the coming weeks. They're giving up 40 points a game. They've played Florida A&M, Appalachian State, Georgia State, and Notre Dame with a backup quarterback. So yeah, they're scoring points haven't faced Murderers' row. Their defense is giving up points to that same group of teams that isn't very good. So even if they aren't playing great teams, I have to imagine they're going to slip up a few times in the ACC play just because of how bad that defense is. But that still worries me the most because what you two just said Drake may will probably throw for a ton of yards and it'll come down to a stop maybe over time again because that's just how the Pit UNC
1: saga has gone. <laughs> So, what is the worst Pitt could finish this season, and you think that this is not a complete train wreck? Like I'm almost, I'm on the verge of saying nine and three, and I never thought I'd say nine and three for Pitt was a bad season, but I'm on the verge of saying if Pitt finishes nine and three, they they squandered an opportunity. Absolutely, absolutely. I think
2: two ACC losses would be disappointing. If we slip up once, I'd be upset because I think we should uh, run the table, but I think we still get the Charlotte with one, maybe even two ACC losses. So if we the Charlotte at the end of the day, I'll probably be happy, but losing two would be a letdown.
0: I don't think Pitt's going to be a dog in any of the remaining games. I'm frantically trying to pull up some of the FPI stuff, but um, assuming Miami is not given an edge over us, which espn's fpi matchup predictor gives them a 60 percent chance of winning against us which i simply do not buy given the way they've looked i it would require a, a loss to miami which in and of itself would be disappointing and then a slip up against one of those c plus teams that we play you know syracuse duke who isn't the worst team in the entire world still like bad but I was surprised they won a game this year. Um, and then, of course, UNC. Yeah, we even mentioned
2: one of our opponents. Probably going to be one of the biggest swing games of the season at Louisville. Uh, we've seen Cunningham kind of do the same thing as Drake May. They're pretty probably the Atlantic version of UNC. Quarterback gets a lot of yards. Defense can't stop anybody. Not great record-wise. So uh, it'll come down to how the team plays the night up, who shows up because those teams aren't as good as Pitt, but because they have those skilled players, can make it scary. But we're going to walk into Louisville, physically walk into Louisville for that away trip and
0: leave winners. I, I can taste it already. Let's just walk out of the next two weeks healthy and having put on a show for the voters, because Narduzzi has made it very clear that the only thing that matters to him is ending the game with more points than the other team. And that's what should matter to us, too. Yeah, but, John, the little tiny number, it looks so good, especially when it gets smaller. Steady as she
3: goes. Whatever.
0: Please welcome back to the show Georgia Tech writer for the Football Outsiders and From the Rumble Seats, Robert Binion. Robert, how you doing? How you been?
3: I'm good. Uh, I am really happy that we now have a coaching vacancy and not a sitting head coach who had worn out his welcome. The Georgia Mm. Tech uh, fan base is reinvigorated. Our page views over the last two days are exponentially higher than they have been for every game so far this season. So we're uh, we're excited for a new start over here.
2: Did you expect it to only take four weeks for this to happen?
3: Personally, this is about where I thought it was going to be. I I actually thought it would be after uh, you guys destroyed us this coming weekend. We were hoping
2: that too. We we were a a, a weekend
3: start on what I expected.
0: Yeah, so um, we can jump right into it. The last time we spoke, uh, both of our programs were feeling pretty good about where we were at and you were much higher on Jeff Collins. If I recall uh, about 365 days ago, than you are right now, please, can, can you help pit fans understand how we got from where you were about week four or five last year to uh, now coachless?
3: It's a great question. We're doing a round table article going up tomorrow to try to track some of that progression. Uh, so a year ago, we had just lost really close to Clemson and beaten North Carolina very soundly. And I think the things that were, you know, that stood out the most about that, uh, Jeff Sims had come off the bench after missing a couple of games with injury and had just knifed through the Carolina defense. And our defense had, I think, 11 tackles for loss in the first half of that Carolina game, which is like, you know, four games worth normally for us. And it just seemed like Breakthrough, like defense, chaos, disruption—what we've been promised—it's happening. Jeff Sims is is finding something, and uh, I th- I think I you know was irrationally confident going into the pit game last year, and we know how that went. Uh, was two first quarter interceptions. What was it? Twenty eight nothing or twenty eight seven within like ten minutes, and uh, I think I realized that some of that Clemson and Carolina stuff had been very just matchup specific very very contextual uh, with some things going on with those two teams and we really didn't have that much improvement uh, on, on our side and from there we barely beat Duke a week later game that was really concerning and then the wheels absolutely fell off uh, the second half of the season the The Virginia game, you saw the defense just not capable of covering anybody. And that's when you started to get this week by week promise of, we'll get it fixed. We've got trust and communication issues, but don't worry, we're going to get it fixed. It's like, well, you're starting three fifth year seniors in the secondary. So if you have trust and communication issues, it's probably a pretty deep seated issue, right? Uh, As the year goes, we give Phil Dracovic a career best performance, Tyler Van Dyke career best performance, don't even show up for the Notre Dame and Georgia games. And it was obvious that something was very, very rotten in the edge building in Atlanta. And I think I was ready for a change by week nine last year. That's when I started to become pretty outspoken that nothing was changing. No promises were being kept. No progress was being made. It was over. So that was a pretty big shift from week five heading into matchup with you guys that I felt okay about.
0: We were we Given any hope in the offseason um, from the amount of uh, transfers that Collins was able to bring, I know you guys lost a little bit, quite a bit, especially through Jameer Gibbs going to Alabama, but you guys were one of the most active teams in the transfer portal.
3: Yeah, I personally, I didn't buy any of that. Uh, the guys that we were bringing in were guys who had produced zero or close to zero at at power 5 schools they were it was guys with recruiting pedigrees that clearly hadn't developed hadn't been able to get on the field it seemed like something you could kind of create a headline about that had no substance and i think the first 4 weeks have very much borne out that hypothesis i mean the the guys who are getting a lot of playing time i mean you're seeing them with PFF grades in the 40s and 50s, and a bunch of them aren't even seeing the field. I mean, the 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 incoming transfers were uh, not anything for Tech fans to be realistically excited about, even though it did sell a chunk of the fan base that this year was going to be different.
1: Now, in the Georgia Tech community, is does it feel like there's a lack of talent within the football program, or does it feel more just foundational?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it's one of the places where you're still getting some disagreement because if you, i mean if you look at something like the you know 247 team talent index we're mid 30s nationally so you have mid 30s talent evaluation metric and you know any power ranking we're going to be 103 to 107 right now right so there's just this massive disconnect between what the roster supposedly is and what the on field performance is i think i mean for me there's there's several factors there one i mean i think you have uh, just a miscalculation on some of these guys who are transfers where they're still getting you know priced in as kind of these high caliber recruits when clearly you know the guys who hadn't really panned out uh, they're guys that I think our current staff misevaluated by choosing to to bring in and, and use a roster spot on in a lot of cases uh, and then you have just a complete inability to develop any position on the roster I mean I think that's probably the the calling card of of this staff's failure is you just see no improvement from the time these guys enter the door to now, you know, halfway through year four. I mean, Jeff Sims hasn't gotten better. The offensive line hasn't gotten better. Secondary technique hasn't gotten a lot better. I mean, mean, just across the board, you see just this flat line of of guys not taking steps forward.
2: Well, you said a good transition here. You said the team was flatlining. Do you think this firing will produce a spark? do you think this will be a rallying cry or is this just, uh we aren't very good and survive the rest of the year and hopefully we hire somebody with a little bit of promise
3: yeah uh the few guys on the team who've been kind of on social media the last 24 hours are like oh, i'm devastated i'm sick why would they do this in the middle of the season i mean i do think that personally collins is actually a good guy i mean i think he's warm hearted and kind and caring about his players. So I think in some sense, you're going to have some terrible
0: handshakes though.
3: (laughs) He can be a little petty and defensive as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I, so I think there's some sadness uh, from at least a subset of the team. I also think that it's been such a dead weight around the team's neck since the middle of last season that you're going to at least have some Some freedom, some, you know, you're no longer worried about your coach getting fired. It's over with. Let's try some things on offense. Let's air it out a little bit. Let's take some risks. So I I think you're going to see effort. I think we're just going to find out is the team really just this bad? And is it, you know, going to take even longer to turn it over?
0: So where does that leave your fan base in terms of, you know, levels of hopefulness is, is this a situation where all hope is lost or or is the sentiment of the fan base? Hey, if we get a pretty good hire in there, you know, a good skipper, we can, we can get back to a very respectable level.
3: Yeah, definitely the latter right now. I mean, it's, uh, people are back on board. People are excited about a new day. People are, uh, absolutely hopeful that a coach who can develop can deploy the players with reasonable schematic ability can get you back to something like what we had with with Johnson uh, I, I think the the hopelessness would just come if the next guy can't do it then I think you start to see some real long-term fear that uh, something's fundamentally broken uh, but there's definitely a big appetite for let's go hard after a smart next guy who's got some substance to him and uh let's let's get back all in um and see what we can do together
1: so what names have been thrown out in the in the community have any any wish list guys for you
3: yeah i mean i'm i'm real high on jamie chadwell from coastal carolina uh you've seen him build from what was you know a brand new fbs program they're 26 and 3 in the last three years they've been you know they've put a couple guys in the NFL. Obviously he's developed a quarterback. Who's unbelievable. I think he's got the kind of, you know, program building experience uh, at Charleston Southern at North Greenville at coastal. That uh, is really what's going to be necessary to a place like tech uh, probably number two guy for me is trying to coax uh, Bill Clark out of his uh, retirement. The, the resurrection job he did at UAB is uh, really something that nobody else has had to do <laughs> at the FBS in quite a while. Uh, you know, you go from having your football team taken out from underneath you to winning 10 games a year, winning your conference multiple times, building it up without talent advantages over your competitors. I mean, those are the kind of guys that I think tech has to target. Can can you build with less? Can you do more with less? Can you make good use of limited resources? <clears throat> so those um, those two guys are at the top of my list. Sean Lewis at Kent State, I think is really interesting. Uh Tyson Helton at Western Kentucky is is really interesting. I think uh, you're going to have a conversation with Dan Mullen, probably. Uh, he's he's done some building of his own. Uh, you know, Mississippi State is unique from Tech, but also uh, where they were when he took over was was not great, and he built that up into something. So those are probably uh, five of the guys that first come to mind for, for me as well as, you know, some of the people I'm talking to.
2: Is any of the reason that you want Chadwell because he runs the modern-day triple offense, if you will? Uh <laughs>
3: So I, I think it's beautiful to watch, but, I, you know, more deeply than that, it's <laughs> it's something that uh, creates schematic advantage when you have talent deficiency. And I think he's really done a great job with that. You, you saw it in the, the BYU game two years ago. Uh, he, he knows how to out scheme a, a bigger team. And that's something you just have to be able to do at Tech, no matter who you are.
0: Would you be open to going back to the triple option if that was on the table?
3: <laughs> do you uh, miss it, it at
0: all? We asked you last year. Yeah.
3: I mean, I, 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 I miss the, uh, the, the grace of it when it's running well. I miss the results that we had. I also (laughs) think that, uh, you, you'd have to have an adaptation to it. I mean, I think even if you talk to a guy like Jeff Munkin at army, I mean, he's, he's you know i watched them a couple of weeks ago against utsa and they're in shotgun every time on third down like they, they, they can roll out the quarterback like they're, they're doing things that johnson refused to ever even consider and so even if it was something that's you know kind of option heavy you're still going to have adaptations that uh spread people out a little bit more that, that get the quarterback in space they can you know develop a quarterback so you've got to be able to combine those two things to be successful i think uh, going forward so I, I
0: couldn't help but notice that uh, amongst your list was not uh, one certain coach prime out of uh, Jackson state. Have you not been hearing the rumors? It's a done deal.
3: <laughs> I mean, I have Twitter. I've seen the rumors. <laughs> uh, so a couple things there. Um, I think that the things that he's best at in terms of recruiting and really being able to, Catch the attention of, of high profile players, whether that's Travis Hunter or Schmarster, or These guys, um, there's so many constraints at Tech uh, culturally, academically, financially that I think you're you you'd be cutting off two of his limbs to start. And, and the things that I think would make him potentially really successful somewhere like Florida State, I just can't see him hitting that recruiting ceiling at Tech in the same way. And then beyond that, we just we don't have proof of him being able to, you know, build out schemes over the long haul, develop guys over the long haul, he, he may well turn out to be fantastic at those things. I'm not digging the guy at all, but we, we don't know. And, and to me, if, if the things that he's potentially best at, he couldn't fully deploy at tech, it doesn't really make a lot of sense uh, to, to really go down that, that road very far.
1: So we've hammered you enough about this coaching situation. I'm sure it's all you'll talk about for the rest of the season. So we did want, we did want to talk a little bit about this game that's happening on Saturday night. Uh, first off primetime game, 8, 8 PM on the ACC network. Look at that. Who would have yeah, thought? I was
3: going to say that's purely that Pitt can draw right now. Cause I can tell you, nobody's interested in watching my team right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it could be, you know, the big storyline, the first game without the head coach, but so, Tell us why, or if there's any reason why, we as Pitt fans who are always irrationally pessimistic,
3: why we should be maybe a little nervous going into Saturday night?
0: I'm mad all the time.
3: Um, our defense is a lot better than it was last year. We've we've got a defensive end named Keon White who transferred from Old Dominion, broke his leg before last season and missed most of the year. Uh, he's, he's the best defensive end we've had in maybe a decade. He's got four sacks already. I don't think we had anybody with more than three all of last year uh, he can actually uh, give give you some trouble up front and the uh, trust communication refrains we heard about the secondary last year actually do seem to mostly be resolved with those guys having all moved on the the secondary has been uh, it's not there's not just NFL prospects left and right but they're solid they're not giving up these just glitchy massive explosives where nobody's in coverage like they were last year Uh, so you're gonna have to um, but, you know, I, I think the, the issue is is can Tech stop Pitt from doing what Ole Miss did, which is run sixty times for three hundred twenty yards. I mean, that's that's really my biggest concern because I do think the the pass rush and coverage are a lot better than they were. Uh, you know, we let what I think Pickett had four hundred and five touchdowns against us last year. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so we can make life a little bit harder. <laughs> You're not just going to have free runners, you know, everywhere. Uh, And so if, if you make mistakes, then, um, you know, keeps things interesting. Uh, Our offense is terrible. Uh, It's really, um, you know, we hit one big explosive uh, to score last week, but when it comes to just down to down efficiency, we we really struggle to maintain drive. So, uh, you know, JT Daniels hit a few things like that week one, if, if I remember right. So the, the, you know, the, the, the path for tech is a couple of explosive passing plays and a couple pit interceptions and the running game is just not quite good enough to score every drive. I mean, that that's the kind of game that Tech could win, I think. It, it's not likely, but it's, it's possible.
0: So to what degree does it worry you um, that the defense that's given up about 600 yards rushing the last two weeks has – is is currently staring down the barrel of the ACC leading rusher and oh, is he a Bannikanda?
3: It worries me a great deal. It's what I, <laughs> I, mean, I expect him to have 220 yards on Saturday and that'll be the, <laughs> the lead of uh, my column next week that that's exactly what we expected to happen. And it did. Um, And, you know, Narduzzi seems committed to uh, that style of football this year. So it's, it's hard to see him going away from that. And it's hard to see tech really finding consistent success on the ground uh, d- defensively. So Yes, highly concerned (laughs) about what's coming at us.
0: So you have your own um, power analytical model, uh, the Binion Power Index, is it?
3: Yeah, Binion Index is what we normally say, or or Bindex for for (laughs) a nice colloquialism.
0: So I we've seen it featured from a couple of pretty prominent uh, football writers. Some of the some of the math works workups that you do about you know expected uh, efficiencies and and whatnot. Uh, so as your model sits right now, how good does it think this pit team is? Because we are also trying to figure it out.
3: Yeah, why don't you give me just a second? I know um, for for our game in particular, um, you know I've got. I think I've pit by right around 21. Uh, the, I think the spread has moved up just North of that, but I think, you know, about three touchdowns sounds about right. Um, o- overall. I've got pit right. Uh, right next to NC state and Florida state, um, you know, plus a plus 10 rating, which is uh, you know, about the 20th best team in the country. So I, I think probably compared to conventional wisdom, my numbers are probably a little higher on, on Pitt than, than others are. I mean, I, I, you know, we saw the, the Tennessee game as pretty close to a, you know, a coin flip where Pitt acquitted themselves well and, and you know, likely wins if there's a few less quarterback pressures. Right. Um, so I, I don't think that uh, Pitt's quite as good as, as last year, but uh, the, the defense is great. The running game is good and the passing game is fine enough to, to kind of keep you in that second tier of teams from, you know, five to twenty five right now.
1: That feels like it hit the nail pretty much on the head. But at the same time, it's kind of that same sentiment that we through four games haven't seen what we think this pit football team is. You know, there's been multiple. The Tennessee game, uh, Keaton Slovis gets hurt. So we lose him for a game and a half. They go from throwing the ball. 20 times out of shotgun in the first half into the next game where are threw it 12 times with Nate Yarnell. So it really is. It's, but it's funny that the the Bendix put us right about where I think we probably should be. So.
3: That's the beauty of averaging things out, right? Like <laughs> each game's not quite what you think it is, but you put the whole thing in a blender and it's like, Oh, that, that feels about right. I mean, I, I have, you know, Pitt is the, the clear favorite to win the coastal. Uh, I I've been saying that since July. I don't, I don't, um, I don't see any reason to deviate from that. I mean, again, the upside is not quite as high as last year. You don't have that uh, explosiveness from the passing game that you did, but it's a really solid team and, uh, you know, should should expect to win most games from here on out.
0: Does the Bindex take into account um, every living person on the roster getting hurt? Because I, I don't have any numbers in front of me to prove this, uh, but I think that we are the most injured team in college football in the in the power five level so is that taken into account
3: so generally really that there's two ways that uh we see injuries really impact things one is if there's a quarterback injury where there's just this clear downgrade from qb1 to qb2 so like i had i had wake downgraded like five to seven points until hartman came back right that's just kind of a manual adjustment that i have to make where where it's obvious that you know the the difference is stark and then really other than that it's it's really just as as the injuries affect performance over time and that just gets built into the team's rating right they're not playing as well because they don't have people but uh i i don't have the the capacity to go in and make adjustments kind of week-to-week injuries for 131 teams that would be a full-time job so uh
0: yeah that would be a lot (laughs) this is only our side hustle you know That'd be a lot yeah, from right. Pit alone, let alone 130 other teams. So,
2: right. uh, don't blame <laughs> me for
0: not diving into that. <laughs> no, not at all. So, you mentioned that the the Bindex has Pit as about a 20 point favorite, uh, but we know is is good as math is at at backing things up in an intelligent way college football is also a game driven by stupid bullshit and in under that umbrella i would throw um the galvanizing feeling of losing your coach so while the analytics say 20 points uh how, how do you feel about how this game is going to end up given the possibility that georgia tech might have a little bit more fire
3: yeah, I, th- I mean, I think with the coaching change, you just have to say that there's more variance than, than you would normally say, right? If, 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 if normally I would say, okay, it's a 20 point number, I feel pretty good the outcome is going to be between, you know, 13 and 27. I think this week it's a lot more like I feel good about the outcome is going to be between three and 37. I mean, I think it could go really, really <laughs> poorly. Um, you know, you saw Nebraska after frost, right. They came out and just get absolutely blasted by Oklahoma who turns out this week really doesn't have a very good defense. Uh, so it, it could easily go in that direction and pit wins, you know, 42 to three. Uh, it could also come out where the team is galvanized, where you see a kind of defensive ferocity we haven't seen consistently where, the offensive line actually manages to, to keep Sims off, you know, off the turf for, for four quarters. Uh, if if I had to bet, I'd bet more on the 42 to three direction. Um, it's just not a team that has shown they respond well to adversity. It's not a team that has bounced back when, you know, when things go bad, it's like, we've seen this, this punt block thing happen. And every time it happens, it just, it turns the game. It's like the team just loses gumption after that of like, Oh, Something bad happened again. We're gonna give up for three more, you know, three straight possessions. And uh you go from a, you know, one possession to three possession game in ten minutes. And that that's just the kind of ethos that's been around this team for a couple of years now. And and it's until I see otherwise, that's the direction I would predict, unfortunately.
0: So can we nail you to that 42 to three number?
3: <laughs> um 42 to three well no our our kicking's horrible so i wouldn't predict a field goal um <laughs> we're like two out of five on field goals so uh probably man i haven't written my preview yet but i'm probably gonna land more like 35 to 7 i, I think it's about where i'd land
0: that kind of I, I still don't like when people doesn't watch, help me doesn't it, help it me doesn't make me feel any better <laughs> Does that
3: have anxiety oh, yeah man.
0: all the time I, do you know who we are? We felt better with Collins than without Collins. When
2: you got a fire, like, oh, man, this might be a game.
3: <laughs> I uh, all. still that. his roster and still his assistants, so you don't <laughs> need to be too anxious. Yeah, it's, um, you know, maybe if it was at home and it's all of a sudden like, oh, we've got a crowd, there's excitement, I, it's just hard for me to see uh, – man f- five days after the team finds out they're getting a new coach a guy that you know within the locker room at least most of them enjoyed him I think uh the the there's been so many just boneheaded things with play calling and uh, none of that's going to get fixed in in a week um so uh, uh, let me let me just do what I can to alleviate your anxiety for the next the next few days i i think you know pit by four touchdowns sounds about right to me
1: well
2: the yeah. fact that you're this confident in pit does make me feel better because last year you picked georgia tech to win uh so if you are going that far on that side of the spectrum i can rest easy on a friday night easier
3: for whatever reason Pitt's somebody that i i watched a good bit over the the second half of last in the beginning of this year and so i i i, I do at least hope that my uh, my feelings about this one are, are definitely colored by just really solid play throughout the the team that I've observed over you know twelve to fifteen games at this point, and um, just the, the competency and the stability is is just so much the opposite of what uh, I've experienced on our on our sidelines since then. So my uh, my expectations have, have greatly flipped.
0: Yeah, again, I don't feel any better about this, and I, I will not sleep on Friday night, as is tradition during the fall. But we really appreciate the kind words and the insight into the Georgia Tech hire. You know, hopefully you guys can figure something out and, and you know. No,
2: no, 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 no. We're not going to root for Georgia Tech. Oh, come Tech. on. A,
0: a rising <laughs> tide lifts all boats. A competitive ACC is good for everybody, especially when, you know, the, the SEC and Big Ten are trying to swallow up the entire world. Okay. Well, not that good. Uh, Okay. Okay. Find someone
3: perfectly
0: competent.
2: competent. Yes.
3: That is yes, absolutely. We can all root for that for each other. I'm I'm with you there.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Well, Robert, we really appreciate your time and uh, best of luck this week and in uh, the coaching search that's going to follow.
3: Thanks. I hope we can do it again a year from now and I'll be in a completely different state then too. So it's a, it's a roller coaster right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Fingers crossed for you guys.
3: Thanks, man. Good to All be
0: right, you Take guys. care. Thanks, Robert.
1: Now we're back with the Loyal Sun Sportsbook here to preview Pitt's Saturday night matchup against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. But first, Squid, you want to give us a quick score update, see where we stand?
0: All right. So uh,
1: I hope we did really well last week.
0: Bunch of really smart guys we are.
2: So, right now, uh, David leading the league, uh, leading the Loyal Suns podcast. I know I said league with 13 points. Uh, I have 11 points, and Dylan has eight. Um, just to recap, we had three total points gained out of a possible um, 10, 3, 4, 5, 6, uh, 18 from last week. So, cool. not great. Yeah. Not great, but we're into ACC play. Uh, we didn't show up like the pit. Uh, team. We weren't super inspired in that last non-conference game. We'll we we weren't trying A to give yet. away
0: the whole playbook last week, you know? Yeah,
2: we'll bring our A game for the
1: ACC play predictions, so let's do it. And to make some moves here, so let's get us started. First one, we're going to go over under 250 rushing yards for the Pitt Panthers. David, you kick us off.
0: Uh, under? That feels really high um, because that means that is he and I'm? I think he's gonna have a great game. He's just a man on fire right now. Um, he would even if he had a buck seventy five, we would need seventy five between Sibo, Flemister, and Vinny Davis, and that feels like a lot. However, if um, you know, a certain Rodney Hammond dressed for the game and played in the game, I could be talked into that over. However, I will sit under it.
2: I would love to see and could actually see Izzy just doing what he did last week again, getting close to 200 himself. Uh, so I'm going to say over. I think this game is over early and we just kind of run the ball the entire second half.
1: I wanted to go over here. I really did. But I'm just kind of hoping that we get to see pit sling it a little more. I know Georgia Tech's given up almost 600 yards rushing in the last two games Ole Miss just absolutely ran it down their throats for the entirety of their matchup I'm going to go under I think it's going to be really close I think they get around 240 I think Izzy has another probably 150 yard game something close to that but 250 does feel high and I'm going to play the odds I'm going to go under but I I wouldn't be surprised if they go over because I feel like Narduzzi is going to want to run the ball especially with how bad Georgia Tech's run defense has been. Yeah. dudes is going to want to
2: prove a point. Something you're not considering. We threw all those screen passes last week. I feel like one of these might be technically like a backwards pass and might be able to take it like 40 yards downfield. So you never know the way we're calling screen passes
0: how it'll play out. I feel like the the big, you know, going into the rest of these categories and even on this last one, the big question is going to be, do you personally believe – that because we are going into ACC play, um, Pitt will open things up, you know, attack vertically, you know, start uh, introducing some wrinkles? Or do you think they're just going to do what they did against Western Michigan And Rhode Island but like take it a little bit more seriously because we're still going to have guys a little bit banged up just getting reintroduced to their first game in a couple weeks Um, so I I think we'll be able to give our answers in our next couple predictions but it it feels like this game is going to go one of two ways
1: great so moving on to the next one we've got an Izzy prop will Izzy go over 174 and a half all purpose yards on the game so he's been just putting on a show the last few weeks, racking up the all-purpose yards. The We said it before, the kick returns kind of help him. Uh, Squid, what do you think? Start with you at this time.
2: I'm going over. I took over on the 250 rushing yards for Pitt, so I feel like I have to take the over for Izzy himself. Um, and the big thing to answer David's question from just before this was, that he keeps saying they're going to take what the defense gives them. And uh, Georgia Tech gives up a lot of, rushing yards so i think that's gonna happen again i don't think it's gonna be conservative play what it might look like i think it's gonna be what's there and what's probably gonna work so we're gonna run the ball time
0: yeah i i agree with my dear colleague squid here um i think he's going to have a very successful game running the ball of course um probably- hit a home run again or two uh, but for me the big decider here is that he will be returning kicks against one of the worst special team units in the country uh so the likelihood of him getting you know 40 50 yards on kick returns even though I don't anticipate at least I I pray Georgia Tech doesn't have to kick off to us a lot uh I I think he'll he'll take advantage of those opportunities against just an
1: atrocious cover team. And they have to kick it off at least once. So I, yeah. I, I can see him getting 40 to 50 off that. I'm going to go over on this one too. Until Izzy doesn't put up crazy video game numbers in one of these games, I'm just going to keep taking those overs. So You need points somehow. I,
0: I got to pick no. them up. Don't you think but- it's weird that you make the lines and you're the worst at
1: picking them? No, I don't think it's weird. I I never win any bets. Even the ones I create, I can't win. Just seeing me on NFL Sunday. Well, you did <laughs> see me. We were together. It was just atrocious. I, I'm i done with it. I, uh...
0: Never gambling again until the next time.
1: Right. There's no one in the world better at their job than the people who make Vegas lines. Apparently there's a no city one out, out in the better. desert. <laughs> yeah, there's a city out in the desert made off people like us and apparently there's no one worse at their job than the guy who makes the loyal son sports book lines so all right on to the next one enough of this over under 24 and a half pass attempts by Slovis. i'll start this one off uh, just to keep things fair here so i don't go last every time maybe maybe that's why i'm losing so much that that's it uh, mm-hmm. i'm going to go over i think It does air it out a little. I think Georgia Tech has to make some adjustments and try to load the box. And honestly, I just want to see Slovis sling it a little bit. So, once again, more of a prayer than a prediction.
2: I'll go next. I was torn. I think that's a pretty good line you made there, Dylan. I was going back and forth. But based on my last few picks, I'm buying all in on running the ball. So, I think I have a big week here. Uh, I'm going to say under. Uh, The deciding factor was you taking the over.
1: (laughs) just fade me yeah
0: yeah now i'm kind of rethinking this but um i agree with dylan in fact i am falcon punching the over um and maybe it's you know it's the definition of insanity to you know see something continue to not work or not happen but still try it or believe it will i just feel like at some point they have to you know, put a little bit more emphasis on airing the ball out, and I mean, it, it's kind of binary. They're either gonna, they're either gonna try to be more creative on offense this game, or they aren't. They're either going to milk the clock, or we might see a heralded forward pass from one Keaton Slovis. And I, I just choose to believe that this, this team has to be better. This Georgia Tech team has to be better than Rhode Island. It might not be better than. Western Michigan, but we'll have Keaton Slovis and so they gotta
1: throw it more, right? At some point. Yeah. Yes. I like the logic of they have to throw it unless they don't. In which case they won't. Right. All right. Same page. Uh, Here's a fun one with two special teams units who have been very suspect this year. Will there be a blocked kick in the game for either team? This includes both Extra points, field goals, and punts. Will there be a blocked kick? Had to kick us off.
0: Uh, I'm going to say yes. Um, I think Georgia Tech has had like four kicks blocked this year. Um, that is one per game. Uh, you throw in a pit place kicker that has not been great in Ben Sauls, who might be injured, which I don't know if that adds or detracts from this. Um, And then you have a punter who, uh, until his second game of football, didn't know that punts could be, like, blocked and returned. Uh, Also, because it's more fun to say there will be. I'm going to say yes, there will be a blocked kick. I will also say yes.
2: Um, Georgia Tech, as we mentioned, terrible special teams. And I think they're going to have to punt the ball quite a bit. They might have like 10 punts this game, so a lot of opportunities. Uh, Also, our punting game isn't the best either, so something weird will happen. My only correct pick last week was saying there was going to be a defensive special teams touchdown, so I'm just going to keep the theme going of picking yes for all of our special teams props.
0: I'd like to throw on that I'd like to imagine that um, Junko calling his own number with a minute left up three touchdowns might be the spark our special teams needs to figure it out. Cause that was, that was just a
1: swaggy move. That was a servalcy Dennis drop your nuts type play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally unnecessary, out. but loved it. Do we think he just went rogue? Cause I don't, I don't think there's any no, way no. a third string walk on kicker just was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to dial this up. Although if he did, that would be
0: such a, do you know who my grandfather is? Ass move. <laughs> But uh, no, I don't I, I also think that there was just some like miscommunication or something. Whenever we left the stadium, I was like,
2: no, he probably did that because they roughed our kicker and he was sending a message and I loved it. But after some extensive resource, aka Twitter and YouTube comments, the consensus I came up to was that uh there was probably a look that Rhode Island gave, and if that look happens, uh the kicker was instructed to do an onside kick that certain way, and the coaches were pissed off that. They did what he told them, but in that situation where they were, it was a meaningless game. Now other teams can look at film and be like,
1: "Hey, Pit might do this," so he ruined the surprise on Rhode Island. It's it's funny when you go back and watch the video. I've tried to watch it and read the situation, and it's very tough for me to get. But it does look like Junko's motioning like he told me to do it, like pointing over his shoulder, and Narduzzi's chewing him out and. Gavin Bartholomew is kind of just laughing. Oh, yeah. Like, seems like uh, this is funny. But when Andre Powell comes over and starts ripping him a new one, Bart's smile kind of goes away to like a like a grimace to a certain extent. So I don't know what happened. Either way, that's a story that Junko's is going to have. And it's well worth it.
3: Yeah, I mean he
2: got it. So it's fine. If he didn't yeah. get it, we'd look like jackasses and failures. So.
1: So I don't think I ever made my pick. I'm going to go, no. There's nothing blocked. I'm playing the odds here and hoping I can gain a point on you two. That's all I got. Fair. A little game gamesmanship. Okay. First touchdown score. Have we hit on one of these yet? I, th- I think, David, you hit on one at some point yeah, this I year. Did. Yeah, like, I did. Yeah, uh, yeah I did. Squid, give us your pick.
2: Oh, I have to go first. I took Daniel Carter like twice already this year, and I'm afraid to go away from him because I feel like the week I do, he'll score. Uh, but I'm just going to go Izzy. There's too much uncertainty around other players if they're going to play or not. So this is my Izzy week. Give me like four points here. So I need to take the lead.
0: Um, wow, this is a tough one. Um, How many points is taking defense and special teams worth?
1: Let me check the book.
0: Three. It's worth three. Um, well, I'm not gonna do that. Uh I think I'm also gonna go with Izzy. It just feels like the safest bet imaginable. Like we're lucky that there aren't actual odds on this because it might be like plus a thousand.
1: Minus a thousand.
2: Sure, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, one point if you take Izzy, two points if you take Jared Wayne, and three points for anyone else. But that's too much math, so we're just gonna stick with two points for anybody. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I feel like Izzy is the safe pick, and I feel like you two are going to gain two points on me. But if we go unanimous here, that just feels really lame. So I'm going to go out. I'm going to take Kanade Mumpfield. At some point, he's going to hit for me on this one. We need the Mumpfield breakout game, and if we never get it, then this offense may be a little more pedestrian than we thought it would be before the season. Give me Mumpfield. Give me 14. I see a breakout game from him, and he's going to be the first one to score. I'll tell you fans at home, I don't think it's possible to bet on
2: first touchdown scores online anywhere for college games. But Vinny
0: Davis, he's the Georgia Tech killer. People forget that. True. True. That game was ungodly two years ago. But, uh, yeah, Dylan, this is a big opportunity for you. If Mumfield comes down with the first touchdown of the game, that's
1: some significant uh, gains you can make. Yeah, and if Izzy houses that opening kick, then that might be the nail in the coffin for me. <laughs> we'll go for it. We'll play it as it lies. Okay, now we got the spread. There's been a lot of talk about around this spread. It's bounced up. It opened around 18, 19. It's up to 23 and a half as we're talking here on Monday night. That's a lot of points. Robert, our guests, seemed to think that that was pretty accurate. What do you guys think? Does Pitt cover the 23 and a half? Can they win by 24 points or more?
2: Uh what is- Oh, you go first, David.
0: Uh, I think I'm going to go under on this one. I I, th- I think it's more likely they win by like 21, which apparently is the magic number when we are playing uh, dog shit teams and just trying to get out of the stadium without any more dead bodies. Um so I, I think this is going to – I think Pit fans need to be ready for another frustrating one um, just because, I mean, we we know our dearly beloved coach is a pretty stubborn guy, and I, I just kind of see him pumping the brakes until we have like a pretty healthy roster again and until we're playing teams that we like logically can lose to before he starts – turning it on a little bit. Um, so I just see another game of possession, ball control, run out the clock, sound defense, but letting up a big player too. Uh, and by no means is 21 points squeaking it out, but it it leaves a little bit to be desired.
2: Score prediction?
0: Uh, I will go 35 to 14.
1: All right, I'll go. I'll let Squid go last. I need to do some math. I think they do cover, and the whole time I wanted to say that number's too big. I I wanted to figure out a score, but I just couldn't get myself to a score prediction that made sense for this game without seeing pick cover. I think the offense is going to have a good outing on Saturday. This is a Georgia Tech offense that has played three FBS teams, and in those three games, they've scored 10 points, 0 points, and 10 points. And I do think Pitt has a pretty damn good defensive unit. So I don't really see Georgia Tech scoring two touchdowns on Saturday night. Kicking game's bad, but maybe they squeak one out, miss an extra point, make a field goal. I'm going to say they cover, and I think Pitt wins with just a goofy score. 38-9. 38-9. to nine. And an absolute drubbing of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. I had pretty similar thoughts there,
2: so I'll keep this short and sweet. I say pit covers barely. Um, if you're playing a slightly better team, I feel like they might be able to crawl back in like Rhode Island does some garbage time points. But uh, ACC play, I think the coaches will be a little bit more aggressive than the Rhode Island game, which will lead to a... Uh thirty-five to ten pit win. We go up early, but it doesn't matter
1: because Georgia Tech can't move the ball on us. We're all sounding pretty confident in this one. I I don't love it. Don't love it at all, but let's be let's be real. Let's take off our pit goggles and look at this as people who, you know, are just casual college football fans so hard to do though it is hard but georgia tech they've
3: been
0: bad this year it's a a scheme thing bad teams that
2: can like throw the ball and with like a pretty dynamic quarterback will scare me no matter how bad they are like you would to see back when they won 3 games in the season they beat us cuz that's what their offense was this georgia tech team like robert said is not explosive they're not going to march on us multiple times I, I just don't see any way that they compete we have the number one they're good too. They...
0: I right, so putting your pit hat back on, and I'm not asking you to be negative, but if we do think that this is going to be a drubbing and that you know it's more like significantly more likely to be a huge pit win than a loss or a close game, what do you want to see? We asked the question last
1: week. I don't think any of us got what we were looking for, but what what do you want to see? See a more dynamic passing game similar to that of what we saw in the first half against Tennessee. It was really fun to watch. Said it over and over. Keaton Slovis, 195 yards in the first half against a team who is now ranked top 10 in the country. Uh, That showing that ability to throw the ball and stretch it out. I know that Pitt has kind of showed they can do a little bit of everything this year, but I do still think in this day and age of college football, to be a really good team, to be a contender, to win the conference, maybe make some playoff noise later in the year, not to get ahead of myself, but you have to be able to throw the ball. And I want to see some more downfield shots. I want to see these receivers that were so hyped up before the season make some plays and someone step up as that number two to to Jared Wayne. Someone pick up that slack. Um, and let's air it out a little bit and blow their doors off.
2: Yeah. I'm not going to say specific running or passing because like I said earlier, I think Pitt's going to take what Georgia Tech gives them and they'll just run the ball a lot, but I just want to see easy scoring drives. We saw it uh, a few times late in the West Virginia game and the first half of the Tennessee game, where whether it was running the ball or passing the ball, we would get down the field real quick and get in the end zone. Uh, we were in good rhythm, no matter what we were doing. So I want to see some of that and that will require to throw the ball a little bit. So, uh, assert your dominance, you're the better team and just get an easy win.
0: I want to see a reinvigorated pass rush. We've we've been decent by normal college football team standards, um but pretty mediocre, pretty pedestrian by pit standards. Um there's, you know, a lot of hopefulness that we're going to see uh, Deslin Alexander and Haba again this week, um, and you know throwing them in the rotation with John Morgan, who was playing almost every snap the first couple quarters uh, across from Bam Brema who I don't think any of us expected to see significant minutes in a game uh, heading into this year. Uh, but with our rotation a little bit healthier again, I I want fire in brimstone. I I I want that spark that we saw the last three years uh, back on that defensive line.
1: Make Sims run for his life, kick his head off. We're we're due for a quarterback uh, dragging himself off the ground, dra- dragging himself off the turf at Acre Shore. Haven't seen enough of it this year, and this might be the week to do it. So, yeah, I agree with you. If they can kind of get firing on all cylinders, some of those, I, th- I think the overall sentiment is we want to see the, those stars and the, these highly-touted position groups that we were told were so great before the season, we want to see them start to live up to those expectations because four weeks into the season, it kind of feels like... I don't know about you guys. For me, I feel like the team is not as good as I thought they were before the season. I feel a little bit better about them than I did right after the West Virginia game but I still feel like there's another level for this team to unlock.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a next level to this team. We just, I need to see it. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear
2: that we can get there. I mean, Tennessee is going to be a top 10 team. Are they a top 10? I didn't. They're number I was right. eight.
0: Yeah. I was That's not- the number eight team in the country that we came back against and took to overtime with our backup quarterback on a bum leg. Yeah. That is one of the best losses in
2: college football this year uh so let's just see more of that. We're
1: capable of it let's put it together for a stretch. But first and foremost, please win. please beat Georgia Tech.
2: please beat the Jeff Collinsless Georgia Tech yellow jackets. please please Georgia-
1: win.